Cougs halves. All right, so we all want to see changes to the Houston Cougar football program, and we've heard some of them are impossible. Are they actually impossible? And if they're not actually impossible, or if they're really difficult but not impossible, what's the consequence? Hmm. You are locked on Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Cougs, the daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Angel, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a UH fan or just a hater can't stop by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way, we can get the latest on the Cougs in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to YouTube channel. That's where you found it. It is so good to see you again. Remember, we are trying to get to uh, give away at 200, every 250 subscribers. The next one of those is 1750 just over 1,600 subs right now. So hit subscribe to help us get there. Like and comment videos to let us know that you're in the contest. If uh, you don't know what to say after talking about some stuff that's maybe positive, maybe negative, I don't know how you're going to take it. Um, you don't know what to say at the end of the episode. A, I'm sorry, but we're talking basketball very soon. And B, tell us in the comments down below if you like potato chips or tortilla chips. Now, as we peel back and look at the rundown here for a second, we're going to look at something that people have been saying is impossible for the Houston Cougar football program. Look at what they mean by that. And we're then going to look at some examples of nightmare stories with that impossibility. And then hopefully have somewhat on discussion about what is next at the end. Now, if you have not been able to take the hinting thus far, we are talking about moving on and changing head football coaches here because frankly, um, a, as a content creator for you all, it seems like that's what you want to talk about, right? You can seem to be keep commenting on things, asking for that to happen. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about how that kind of thing happens. And then B, it's admittedly a, a bye week. Bye weeks are where things change or shifts happen. We haven't heard of any major bye week changes as of the recording of this episode, obviously. Not that they necessarily would tell us anything and everything, but with that said, here we are. So let's talk about the big change that would happen would be obviously uh, giving Daniel Holgerson the axe at some point. Now I'm going to preface this by saying, A, and I'm going to end this episode also by saying, I'm not one that roots for guys to get fired. I root for guys to figure it out, right? That's generally speaking who I am. Um, rooting for guys to get fired feels like a very icky way to go about the business. Um, second, I will say that uh, this is all operating on the sense that something like this would happen at the end of the season. Um, unless you have a guy on staff, you think you need a shot at the job. I don't really see a positive in doing it mid season. Um, just creates more turmoil and chaos and, you know, waste a year even more. So unless you got a guy again on staff that you think should get a look at trying the job out because then you give them the interim tag or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. So I think this mostly pops up because uh, in the major Apple white, era debacle whatever you want to call that brief time of Houston Cougar football history uh president doctor uh president of the university Dr. Renuka Tour mentioned that uh we fire coaches the goal would be to have a program that fires coaches at eight and four right um that we're looking for more like tens and ten and twos and those kinds of things and admittedly if you gave Dana you know 2019 2020 is kind of wash years to kind of start to get the program in the right direction 2021 is great or whatever right well fine um he went eight and five last year and this season, I guess mathematically, eight and four is not impossible, right? 
But eight and four feels like a far, far stretch from reality right now. And frankly, if they ended up going eight and four, we'd probably ask a lot about what happened in those first five games. Now, um, I will say that the other part of this thing being discussed a lot right now is that over the summer, um, when asked about how hot his hot seat was or whatever, because it's a common question people ask coaches, Dan Hogerson was asked, and he says something about his uh, buyout being impossible, I think was the exact quote, um, and that they had 20 wins in two years, and he's got an impossible buyout. He's sitting very comfortably and doesn't have to worry about those kinds of things. And while I like that a coach, like having a coach doesn't worry about those kinds of things, I don't know that, that reason. I don't know that the reasoning is necessarily entirely true, but I could see how it would be the kind of thing to stay off the cuff. I'm going to talk about some reporting that Go Cougs did, uh, mostly because they got into the actual nitty gritty of the contracts, and so that's really um, they were the first people I saw do that. If someone else did it first, obviously I'd be happy to give credit to them after that. But Go Cougs does daily, you know, Cougar written work each day, and credit them on finding this kind of stuff out. But the extension. Uh, this is actually, I guess, more broad news, but the extension that Dana Hogerson signed in the spring of 2022, following the good 2021 season, Hogerson signs an extension in March of 22, that extends his contract all the way through the end of the 2027 season. Uh, it's a $22.5 million contract. Average annual value is $4.5 million. Um, the contract is guaranteed through 2025. Uh, at four and a half million dollars average annual value per uh, each year, and that up to that point, and then sixty percent of it would get paid in twenty twenty six and twenty seven. After that, um, that means that if they were to give him the axe in December after the regular season's over, you know, I don't bowl games in the future at this point or not. I'd like to still have high hopes, but either way, if they gave him the axe in December, right, um, that would mean you'd still owe him fourteen point eight million dollars. Um, which is a lot of money. Now you are allowed to pay that out over the course of the contract. So you could pay it out monthly installments, much like that they, uh, that, and the GoCook report and they were reminding people of is You could theoretically stretch that out over the course of the time through 2027. Um, and that overlaps somewhat in the initial first couple years of it with the giant new football facilities building being built. That's $140 million. That's two big hits to the budget in a big, big way. And right now, Houston's still not functioning, has not gotten to the point of their contract with the Big 12 where they're getting a full media rights deal. Now, I know that the base level media rights thing is not the full count because every team gets some split of, every school should say gets some split of the bowl earnings. Every school gets some split of the units for uh, college basketball tournaments. And we know that the Big 12 will have a lot of teams in the college basketball tournament. However, that is a deficit. Like, you're functioning in a, you're paying t- people like you're the big boys and your revenue is not quite there yet. That's why I tell people to like, get tickets and make sure they go to the games and buy all the things, buy all the hot dogs, buy the t-shirts, buy the, like those kinds of things. Oh, I mean, hit my table. All those kinds of things do help the program. I know people get tired of being told to support and help the program when they don't like the way things are going. I understand that like yin and yang, the back and forth, the cyclical nature of that. However, the building that they're building right now is looking like it's going to be Upward, if not upwards of 140 million, it's going to be up to 140 million dollars. And they initially set out to build this, thinking the cost would be closer to 75 million. Things have just gone up. Things are getting growing. Things are getting added to it, etc. Right? Um, I would imagine by the time it's all said and done, you're kind of something closer to 150. That's me guessing and looking at things around the country, not necessarily having the reporting on that actually. Right? Um, again, and firing Dan Horkins in 2023 adds to that by giving him $4.5 million a year in 2024 and 2025, and then about $2.75 in 2026 and 2027, right? Um, Now, 
that's all before you even hire a new coach, right? Cause when you fire a coach, you have to hire a coach. Um, and that's not factoring in what you're going to pay that person. You're probably looking at paying in the big 12 over $4 million a year to that person too. And so suddenly for those four years, you're also paying 16 million towards whoever that is. And all of a sudden we're getting up close to $200 million just to function. That's like keep the lights on kind of money almost for the Houston Cougar football program over the course of the next four years. While you're still getting acclimated, still on the front end of still of all that TV money that you're hoping. Now, I'm not saying there's anything else to spend. I'm not saying to not spend the money on making a better football program. I hope that's not how it's getting taken. I can see one or two of you commenting down below is how you're taking it. That's really not where I'm adding this. I'm just looking at realistically what you're asking for is like in the coaching budget to be paying around eight to $9 million annually in coaching fees over the next four years, while also investing in a bunch of other things on athletics on campus for the head coach. While, also not getting an $8 million coach necessarily because you're not putting it on the current head football coach, right? Um, again, you're looking at it around $8 million in, in coach pay and head coach pay, I should say, over the next couple of years if you were to move on to somebody else. That means you're looking to pay a Jim Harbaugh type, right? Jim Harbaugh is making $8.1 million. You're looking to pay a Ryan Day type. He's making $8.8 million. But the kind of coach you're likely going to have because they're only getting the new person. We only getting four point, whatever It's more like Virginia's Tony Elliott, Iowa state's Matt Campbell, um, Rutgers and Greg Schiano. Those kinds of guys are making down in the mid to low four range. And that's kind of your, again, you're paying like your Michigan, Ohio state size program TV dollars, but you're not getting that kind of quality in a coach. Necessarily. And if you find a diamond in the rough, obviously, those are always the best option here. But um, there's a lot of times where people have thought they could find the diamond in the rough. They thought they could do something productive towards finding that next great football coach, and it didn't happen that way. I want to talk about some of those examples in segment two and some of those times that things went wrong. But I want to make sure before that we talk about something that always goes right, and that is when you're shopping at or looking for pants, I should say, in general, pants, shorts, whatever, you're shopping at bird dogs because they look good and feel great as well. You can wear them when you sit down to podcast. You can wear them in the front of your classroom as a teacher. You can wear them in the back of your classroom as a student. You can wear them to the party on the weekend. You can wear them to the formal event during the week. You can wear them to work. You can wear them to the gym. You can wear them on dates. You can wear them around the house. You can wear them wherever you wear shorts and pants. You can be wearing bird dogs. I got, I'm not going to stand up and show you my pants. I got some on right now. I wear them almost every day. It's like, more or less if I'm not playing my rec basketball thing. That's the only time I'm not wearing my bird dogs because I have to wear another pair of shorts, right? Um, you can go to birddogs.com slash locked on college right now or into promo code locked on college checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water bottle at checkout. You don't want to miss your bird dog. You don't want to miss the promo code or miss this offer. And you don't want to take your bird dogs off once you get it. We promise you again. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college. All right, so I mentioned that there have been some nightmarish stories about people thinking they're going to move on to the right guy. And I also mentioned that, realistically, you're going to be paying Dana $4 million a year anyway. And if you're going to bring in someone else at $4 million a year, you're paying close to eight. So if you're paying $8 million and then you end up with a nightmare, that could really set the program back even farther. I know people have a hard time understanding that, 
but the program could get set back a lot farther. It's not as far back as some people want. To, it, the sky is not always falling, right? Um, I looked up a handful of examples to get some dollars and cents on this. I'm going to go through them relatively rapid fire because there's a lot of these options to talk about, but I want to make sure I stress that like this stuff can go wrong. So like uh, Tyron Willingham was at Stanford in the early 2000s. Uh, he went 44 and 36 there, just one season over 500. But people thought he was the next up and coming thing. People thought the academic background made him a great candidate for one Notre Dame. So he went to Notre Dame and went 10 and three his first year. It looked like it was a home run higher. He then went five and seven and then went six and six. And Notre Dame fired him thinking they could get Urban Meyer. They did not. They ended up getting Charlie Weiss. More on him in a second. Charlie Weiss, Weiss, Charlie Weiss. More on him in a second. But they fired him after he went five and seven and six and six and still had to pay him the majority of his buyout. We'll get into more on that in a second. He gets picked up right away by UW, Washington. He then goes two and nine. I mean, Washington thinks they got a, a monster of a coach there, right? Uh, after been successful at Stanford, relatively speaking, and then successful in his first season at Notre Dame, we got this guy, right? Take off the academic standards of Notre Dame, working at Washington, city of Seattle, you got options. They go two and nine, five and seven, four and nine, oh and 12. Over the course of those seven seasons, he made nearly $13 million in contracts and buyouts from the combination of Notre Dame and and, uh, University of Washington, either one of his contracts from Washington or Notre Dame would have placed him in the highest 25 paid college football coaches of that era. Now I understand like $13 million in the early 2000s is like hard to like realize like, Oh, that's that much more money than that's just not what coaches were getting paid back then. Instead, he made all that money. None of those teams in being successful since his very first year, except for his very first year at Notre Dame. They replaced him in Notre Dame with Charlie Weiss. Um, he went 35 and 27 across his time there for f- five seasons. Uh, three bowls, two BCS at the start of his tenure, but he lost both of them. Both those teams for what's worth had a lot of Ty, uh, Ty Willingham's kids on the teams, right? Um, he later would coach at Kansas and go 6 and 22. So it's safe to say that Charlie Weiss had problems as a coach as far as like sustaining success. But Notre Dame paid him $2 million per year from 2009 to 2015 while he wasn't even on staff, right? He was making that money while also coaching at Kansas. Um, and frankly, they were paying, Notre Dame that is, was paying him that $2 million while also paying Brian Kelly an average of $3 million per year. That's, again, in pre, the last two TV deals ago or whatever it is that at this point's money, paying over $5 million a year for football coaches, right? That's a lot of money from the athletic budget. Um, I think the, the example of this like lineage that hits closer to home, though, for a number of reasons, is uh, what happened at Texas, UT Austin, when they moved on from Mac Brown. Now, people can say what they want about Mac Brown and UT Austin. I, I do think one of the coolest things he ever did was after they won the national championship game, big Vin Chung fan, all those guys are in the uh, – Deal afterwards. All right, all right, all right. It's in there too. And da da da. Everyone's celebrating. They won the national championship. Da 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 da. First national championship since integration for that school with all the money they've gotten, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and he bluntly said, "Don't let this be the best thing that ever happened to you." I always thought it was a cool line. Always wanted to have like that in my back pocket. Have I ever won the big one as a coach, as a head coach? Right? Be like, listen, you will be great fathers, husbands, son. Like, you will continue to be great people. Don't let this be the best thing that ever happened to you. I thought it was a cool line. Um, but they fire him and uh, they let him go. And they bring in Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong has been 37 to 15 at Louisville. 
He'd won a bowl game when he got promoted to an interim head coach for the bowl game at Florida. He looked like an up and coming guy. Um, and he gets the Texas job at Texas. He went 16 and 21 across three seasons, lost to Kansas twice. Right. Um, and this is not good Kansas. This is back when Kansas was a basketball school. It still is basketball school, but you get me that right. Um, he made $5 million per season and a $10 million buyout that Texas only got out of once he got a head coaching job a couple of years later. Right. Um, now, when Texas fired him, they had no idea that he'd get a head coaching job. Right. Um, they were completely going to have to pay $10 million to get out of here. We remember that one very well, I think, in Houston, because they replaced him with a guy named Tom Herman. Now, Tom Herman is the same Tom Herman. If you were living under a rock and don't remember that, or you're so focused on the Cougs, you don't remember what the national landscape looked like. Um, Tom Herman, obviously, was at Houston for a couple years, but after, before that, he'd been at the Ohio State offensive coordinator. He'd been in Iowa State, Rice, Texas State, Sam Houston. Uh, he'd been a grad assistant at Texas once before, right? And so that's why his whole second year at Houston, I was like, he might get that Texas job because there was like a coming home element to the idea of that, right? Um, while at Houston, the glory days, he went 22 and four in his two seasons, peach ball win. Houston's on top of the world. It looks like all things are gravy. And Texas, like, we got to pay him a lot of money to get him away, right? They end up paying him a $13.25 million guaranteed contract. He shows up to Texas, goes 32 and eight, and won it to his credit, won his four bowl games while there. Um, he signs an extension the summer of 2019. Um, and if, they end up having to pay him uh, $5 million guaranteed per year over the course of that extension, even after they fired him after the 2020 season. Um, for what it's worth, I always had heard that there was something about upsetting donor. He was involved in like the protesting and the marching in the summer of 2020. And I think that rubbed some of the money the wrong way at that school. But they also have like the eyes of Texas song. And I think he was like very much like we can get rid of the song and people didn't like that because that song's silly or whatever. Right. But um, it's a silly song. They should have kept the coach, but whatever. Um, that means theoretically, when they fired him in 2020, they were going to be on the books for his $13 million and for Chuck Strong's $13 million. They were willing to do all of that. right? That's a lot of money, but that's also the highest money-making school in athletics. Um, Will Muschamp's in the Texas tale gone wrong because there's a lot of those. Um, but he was the coach in waiting before Chuck Strong um, back in like – uh, post Vince Young days, um, pre, I want to say around the Cole McCoy or maybe anyway. Um, but coaching waiting, right? Florida thinks they steal him in 2011. Um, they pay him a lot of money. He had a 13 and a half million dollar guaranteed deal while at Florida replaced Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, remember, retired with health issues very suddenly, um, before ultimately come back very quickly to Ohio State because the health issue went away. Um, now, they th think they steal him. They pay him a bunch of money to come into Florida. They're going to keep it rolling, theoretically, and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff at Florida. Um, he goes 28-21 and 21 and won just one bowl game, the Gator Bowl. The Gators kind of have to win the Gator Bowl, right? Um, in 2016, he gets hired at South Carolina. Um, goes 28-30 and 30 in his five seasons there. His only bowl win was the Outback Bowl. South Carolina had given him a $28 million guaranteed deal. 28. They're still paying. 28. The most famous of these might be Bill Callahan. Uh, he was brought to Nebraska in 2004. He went 27 and 22 of his four years, only bowl being the Alamo Bowl. They had paid him a guaranteed almost $3 million per year, which is a lot of money for Nebraska, especially considering they're paying the guy as the first like, non-alum to coach there in a while. Rich Rodriguez is another one of these that's a very famous... 
uh, example of these things gone wrong. At Michigan, he went 15 and 22, and they guaranteed him $9 million over six years. He ended up coaching just three. They had to pay him the rest of the contract, even though he was not there for half of it. Um, and then I, I like the story of Ron Prince. So Ron Prince is hired to replace Bill Snyder, who'd been there forever at Kansas State in 2006. He went 17 and 20 in three seasons. Um, and he was so bad in his three seasons there that they end up firing him and bringing back Bill Snyder for another nine years, right? That's how down bad Kansas State was because they had to pay him his buyout. Paying him that buyout went to arbitration and all kinds of legal things because there was this private agreement via email with the previous AD that the school thought they could get out of because the AD had been changed as well. And da, 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 right? Long, big deal. They end up paying the whole contract and legal fees all kinds of expenses, so much so that, again, they had to hang on to never go away Bill Snyder for another nine seasons. They could go with USC and Clay Helton or Willie Taggart and him getting paid. Willie Taggart was not coaching after 2019, but still collecting money from both Oregon and Florida, right? Like these stories go all kinds of chaotic wrong. I like poking fun at SMU because Chad Morris was 14 and 22 at SMU. Um, and then Arkansas decided they were going to pick him up as head coach. He could fix things to Arkansas. He was below, well below 500 SMU. He was going to go fix things to Arkansas. Uh, they ended up firing him after going 4-18 and 18 over two seasons, and Arkansas still owed him $8 million after those two seasons. There's a bunch of stories about how these things can go wrong. And before we go too much further, I just want to point out, like these things can go poorly. The next, the grass is not always greener. The next guy is not always the best guy. Um, doesn't mean that we shouldn't look forward to the next thing, right? I'm not saying it's bad to look forward to what's next. In fact, if you need to hit on what's next, let's talk about our buddies at FanDuel. Now, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. It's the best place to put on all bets on all things. If you can get to a place to put those down, uh, you can snap back into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's what you put $5 down, you get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed win or lose. This weekend, they've got the Falcons favored over the Houston Texans. Have you watched CJ Stroud play? Have you watched Houston go to work with CJ Stroud and Tank Dell? And all, I mean, I just, I don't get that. Go find the Texans. They got the Falcons' favorite. It's minus two and a half for Atlanta. Over under set at 41 and a half. That might be a little trickier, but take the Texans in that one. If you're feeling more like a baseball playoff kind of guy and looking more at the World Series, they got Houston at plus 450 to win the whole darn thing. I know it's a rocky season. Guys are healthy now, and it's Houston in October. I'm taking us. I'm taking us on the way. I'm taking us at. FanDuel.com slash locked on. You should go to FanDuel.com slash on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so I wanted to wrap by saying, um, kind of talking through what's next, right? Because I think there's one way to take all this information and be like, or take this thought processing, processing I'm having and be like, screw that Ainsworth guy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure you're going to tell me in the comments down below about why I'm wrong. Encourage encouraged encouraged but i also think that there's a way to go about that and here i say oh my god we're gonna suck for a long time and i don't think that's the, that's the case again i open the episode with it and i want to close with it i don't like to root for coach and this is probably the guy in me that has coached a lot of high school football and high school bat and still coaching high school basketball i don't root for coach to get fired that's just not my mo um they we there was some faith in the guy as the correct person when he was hired 
Igor Shigeshvili on the team as Fort was hired. Um, there's some thought that they've got. There was something that made them the separated person at that point. Dana loves this university, right? Like understands the history, understands the culture, understand. Like he's said things in his tenure that indicate that, right? Um, Dana at one point was super innovative on offense. I, I think it's worth pointing out that like a lot more teams understand the air raid now than it might have in 2008. But I also think it's worth pointing out that like. That doesn't mean, you know, creativity didn't just die. It doesn't just die on the cutting room floor. Like something has got to give there. Um, they also have, as he's pointed out, moved up to the big leagues and that some of those things may be more natural than we're realizing. Cincinnati has struggled. BYU, with, except for when they're playing another new team, has struggled. Central Florida has struggled, right? Part of that is moving up. Um, I guess the outcome I'd rather see happen that you may say, and I can see you typing right now, is not going to happen because it's been five years, Parker. I'd rather see the guy we've got put it all together, right? That's better for the university. It's better for him. It's better for the kids he's brought in. It's better for all the things. And like Dana has, if you look at the top 25 recruits ever come to the university of Houston on modern recruit ranking websites, he has like half of them, right? Like, like he's, he's found, it might not be the kids that it might, might not be the kids you wanted him to get. And I would sit here and say, I like the kids of God. Um, but he's gotten fairly talented kids, right? And he's talked about depth and the roster gets young fast. And like you start looking across the old line, it goes like your your sixth guy is probably a redshirt freshman, right? I get it. They get young fast. Um, but I think the the thing I'd rather see happen is watch him fix it and get it figured out. If not, if that's not what happens, I I don't mean to spoil your parade if you're a fire Dana guy, uh guy, gal, whatever. Um, I don't think it happens in 2023. I just don't. I think at the end of 2023, if things don't turn around at some point after the bye week or after Texas or after Virginia or whatever, um, I think what you're more likely to see happen is a, you know, a, a, a big, big, uh, like ribbon cutting ceremony of cutting contracts. I see, think you're going to see a lot of assistant coaching turnover. I think you'll see a lot. I mean, frankly, they don't have an offensive coordinator. I think it'll be a, a must have right away. And of, of all the things that Dana's done in five years, I almost feel like not hiring an offensive coordinator for this year may ultimately be the biggest offense. Um, we can do a later podcast on that if you want to tell me down below. But the offense lacks true identity. The offense lacks true united front. Uh, it feels like the three-headed monster is three very different directions that they're working with right now. And honestly, simply bring an offensive coordinator that like had a thing that that person wanted to do all the time would be a fairly easy fix. I think we all assume, assume Dan would have a bigger hand than he's had. I think there's been moments where you've seen it and moments where you haven't. I, uh, you know, we had a play call sheet in the sideline tech or whatever, right? Uh, so sometimes those things happen. Sometimes those things don't. I also think the other thing, and uh, Doug Belk is reportedly one of the best recruiters on staff. Doug Belk is one of the most likable people on campus. Doug Belk, I think is a very good guy. I do think his defense is, since 2021 have given up a lot of points. And frankly, there was moments 2021 where I thought they gave a lot of points too. Um, and if the defenses continue to give up a lot of points, it's going to be hard to do things. Now, I understand they have an uphill battle. Some of these big 12 games, some of the offenses have, you know, just steamrolling type capabilities. They're playing a couple pro running backs, da, 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 right? All that valid fair. They also give up 73 points to SMU, right? Like, like, like it's at the end of the day, at some point they're they're giving up a lot of points. Um, and, as loyal as Dana is to Belk, and I think there's good reason to, he's a great recruiter, great person, et cetera. As loyal as he is to Belk, I think there's reason to believe that that would be the first cut, that that'd be the 2023 moves. Like we're going to cut ties, completely bring in new coordinators and overhaul the scheme on both sides of the ball. And then 2024, if that's not working, okay, 
that was your, you know, now we we'll have to pay you the four and a half million dollars in 2025 and a couple 2.7s, a little bit easier pill to swallow. We're closer to that big time money, right? Da, 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 da. All those kinds of things can happen. Um, just at least defense has to find a way to slow the bleeding, right? Just like slow things down. Anyway, later episode, postseason episode, I'm sure. Um, I say that to say that a lot of people comment on these videos every day, fire day, not fire day, and they want to talk about every single day. It's like if I could talk about it for 30 minutes a day, that's all they want to hear about the entire day. Well, that's the case. That's why I don't necessarily talk about it every day. I don't think it's going to happen in the near future. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily would root for those kinds of things to happen. Um, and there are cautionary tales all over college football about the grass not always being greener. Uh, you know, tell me what you think down below. Doesn't mean that they can't improve. Obviously, everything, everyone in America can improve. So tell me what you think down below. Um, we'll talk at some point, I'm sure, about other aspects. But Thursday and Friday, we're talking basketball. It's a bye week. There's no game to prepare for on Saturday. We've got a darn good basketball team on campus, a darn good basketball coach on campus. Let's talk hoops on Thursday and Friday. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Locked on Coops is Primer Locked on Podcast Network. And that means your team every day. Go Cougs.